Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Big Friday here in the fine city of Chicago as the month of June rapidly coming to a close. July 4th, not that far away. Big sports weekend coming up. lot of action yesterday on the tennis court in the NBA draft room on the baseball field, track and field, swimming, gymnastics, you name it, we got it in. Let us not forget, because David Olson, you slipped in the uh, job. Uh, we gave you a hard time for it last year, but the Tour de France is coming up this weekend. Sunday is stage one of many stages in the Tour de France. And as you know, if you're a regular listener to this program, no other sports talk show covers stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France. we got all that to talk about. Mucho, mucho mas here in the two guys at a mic show. Dog and the coach at your service up until 11 o'clock. A little bit of music, and then we'll kick off. Other side of the glass, we don't know how long he'll last. At any point, the beeper might go off. The cell phone might be called. Baby number three in tow. So he gets the call. He's gone. Hopefully, we'll still be on the air. Assistant producer Randolph Myers waiting in the wings. But good luck, David, if the baby does come this weekend. No question about it. We can jump off the sports page, talk the Supreme Court ruling. We got a very, uh, uh, what would the word be for agitated, I think, would probably be the best word. Joel Redwanski, my good co-host. We're still waiting to hear from the big dog here. But uh, he was a little bit agitated with the whole liberalism celebration from yesterday. So we'll uh, pick up a little residue from that. But the NBA draft needs to be talked about. And as I welcome in, well, let me do this for my, for my good partner. With the first selection in the 2012 Internet Sports Talk Draft, the Talk Zone Dot com selects from McMurray College, Joel, the big dog, Radwanski. Sorry, had to get that off my chest. Big dog, how are you? It's, uh, I, I'm doing all right, coach, but believe it or not, I, I have a little bit of an inopportunity in two times. Hoping my buddy John's going to help me out explain the guys what's going on. I just got locked out of, out of my business real quick, so I had to go get the security <laughs> to get him in. Security? This, uh, we have a broken door that we've been complaining about for two years, and I guess none of us are type A, and we haven't complained enough, so we're still dealing with the situation. Where? And it just, so just for the last half hour, I've been locked out in the heat. But are we at home? Are we talking home or work? We're talking water riders at ah. work. I, all I do is work, coach. That's okay. all I do. Let's just, let's just get, get it straight. That's all I do, my friend. All right. All right. You're getting some good weather for it. Hopefully working and uh, making a little bit of uh, moolah. No, they decided yesterday that uh, it was too hot for us to uh, oh, work. Oh, come on. Yeah. Are you serious? Yes, I'm being totally serious with you, Coach. They closed down the kayak architectural, not architectural, historical tours on the Chicago River because it was too hot? Yeah, uh, three-quarters of the people uh, canceled. So we're like, we weren't going to, normally we'd hold them to it, but when so many did, we're like, okay, just reschedule. So 
Yeah, don't even tell me about it. I, I was, I was fine yesterday. I was running in 100-degree yeah. heat at 7 o'clock at yeah. night. I'm not kidding. I was jogging. Wasn't that oh. bad. It really wasn't that bad. Speaking of running, by the way, I'm reading a book now. Have you ever heard of the Karamahu uh, runners in Mexico? Tara- I think it's the- Taramahu. Are those those ones that uh, go way up into the mountains? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We'll talk more about it, but I'm in the midst of reading a book on it now. Very, very. I had never heard of them before, but these people are uh, part to be respected and part absolutely insane. But uh, when I get through with the book, we'll talk. No, so, yeah, these, I mean, when you're running in that low oxygen deprivation, it's supposedly really good for hallucinations, coach. Yeah. But normally, normally the people that I know that like hallucinations usually mm-hmm. can't run for 20 miles before they get them. No. Most of them uh, hallucinate in the comfort of their own home, probably on the Lazy Boy couch and uh, with an ashtray nearby. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. 888-463-6748, the phone number, dog and the coach at your service. Beautiful Friday here in the fine city of Chicago. Again, you want to check in. Anything in the sports world, open lines today, 888 888- Four six three six seven four eight. I kid you not, Joel. I don't know how much of the NBA draft you watch, but when it hit pick number twenty and the Bulls are about nine picks away, the guy that I wanted was the Kentucky point guard Marcus Teague. I was waiting for him, and sure enough, I was surprised myself. But the Chicago Bulls select Marcus Teague, nineteen year old. Let us not forget we watched him play. He was a freshman, one year. Removed from high school basketball, he's going to the pros, going to play alongside or maybe uh, in rotation with Derrick Rowe. But I like this kid. I think he's very, very good. Yeah, I think they got a, a great steal. And I couldn't agree with you more when uh, when the Bulls were sitting there. Because like, I started watching at about 22 last night from the East Main Club. And, like, immediately I was like, you know, the the you know the, uh, the Bulls still have a chance at Jones the third or Teague is the way I was looking at it. I'm like, I was like, I doubt either one will be available, but maybe we can get one of those. And all of a sudden, like, there was three picks left, and there was both those available. And I'm like, I hope the Heat and the and then the Thunder don't just wreck the like the Bulls' chance of grabbing this kid. And luckily, they did not. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they got one of the two kids that I really wanted that I thought could be there late in the mm-hmm. first round. So you're picking 29th and you get Marcus Teague, that's a good draft pick, Coach. It's, yeah. That's solid. And, and you and me are, are two of the few on the Marcus Teague bandwagon because I don't think there were a lot of Bulls fans anticipating or looking forward to that particular pick. But uh, I like it. First of all, I'm a huge fan of his brother, Jeff Teague, who I think is very underrated. And just oh, watching yeah. Marcus a little bit, I, th- I think, you know, obviously Derek Rose is your point guard. Where he'll fit in, we don't know. But I think he's going to be a quality, quality NBA player. Uh, I, I got to tell you something. He has tremendous upside. Yep. I know that's, that's a cliche talk, but uh, to be quite honest with you, the guy is explosive, not as explosive as Derrick Rose, but he is very similar to Derrick Rose, so in a way that could be a little bit interchangeable yep. as point guard, and hopefully the kid could get the experience of being a starter in the NBA for the first half of the season, and then also not have to deal with the pressure because everybody knows he's not the point guard of the future. He's mm-hmm. not even the point guard of the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. So in some weird way, the only thing that's bad about this is the guy isn't like a, a good outside shooter. He, he's more like a Rajon Rondo yep. type when it comes to shooting. And, and the Bulls really need somebody that, that is explosive and can still knock some shots down yep. because they either have guys like Ronnie Blue or Kyle Korver who can knock shots down, but that's all their offensive game is, is that they're unselfish and can mm-hmm. hit open shots. So 
I, I would. They definitely need a, a a shot maker and a a guy that can also hit an outside shot. Yeah. That's, that's what I was hoping for. Yeah, I completely agree with you, but there was nobody available at the 29th pick. Not at 29, you don't get that. Those guys get picked in the top eight. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. Interesting, though, watching uh, David Stern. Uh, you tuned in late, but I'm sure you caught part of it. Oh, it really was it. from start to finish. David Stern, who at one point was a pretty popular guy, I think the David Stern love has clearly worn off. And every it was all, and I love the way he handled it because he had a sense of humor. He smiled about, it. but every time he came to the podium, they were booing the guy. How, how honestly would you have to? Okay, I only saw twenty two <laughs> to, to twenty nine. Yeah, the Bulls were the last one. The Bulls he took the least amount of, uh, of heat for, but when the, the Heat picked, oh my God! I think he drew it out to make it sound like they were booing <laughs> the Heat pick and not him. Did you? Could you tell? Yes. How he was playing with the audience. Yep. He would wait a little longer on some picks, and some he would think he just boot him ferociously, and he'd just come up and say it and walk away. Yeah. And then another one, he's like, "Oh, it's the Heat. I'll make people watching this think they're booing the Heat pick and not me." Yeah. You, you, you see what I mean? He was. You know what? I'm not a big David Stern fan. I, I'm, I think he has taken a little bit too much credit for the expansion of the NBA because, quite frankly, I, I honestly, Coach, I think I could have been the commissioner of the NBA in 1985 yeah. and been able to take advantage of what they did, and I would not have watered down the league like Davis turned it. I don't think he's done as good a job as everybody yeah. else thinks he has. There should not be 30 NBA teams. It's a joke. There shouldn't be more than, like, 24. Yeah. Okay, there's way too many teams. But uh, I, I, yesterday, I have to admit, I had a little bit of a feeling for him, and I thought, you know, one day I'm going to be on a stage and people are going to be booing me and treat me yeah. like crap, so I better take a footnote or yeah. note from what and, I started. And take a note from David Stern, and I kind of agree. I'll agree with you a little bit on what you said, and I do think it's time for a change. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, it's just, you know, he was good for a while. I think he did some good things, but it is time for a change. But the lesson to be learned, Big Dog. I'm not saying he should be gone. I'm not saying he should be gone. I do think he's one of those guys that took way too much credit for the success of his league is all I'm saying. I was like, oh, the the, the NBA exploded because of David Stern. I was like, what, really? Really? Did he really? You don't think it had anything to do with Mm -hmm. – Bird magic, and then uh, the fact that Michael Jordan comes in after that, because when nobody watched basketball from 1998 to about three or four years ago, nobody was saying David Stern was a good commissioner. I, honestly, when when it was the Thug League, and I, there was no way I, I couldn't watch. Like I start watching a, a regular season game, and I'd want to puke. So no, I, I don't think so, Coach. I think it's the, him being a good commissioner is overrated. You would have done just as good a job. No, I don't know about that. I, I, think yeah, he, I think in his younger days he did make some good decisions. But my point is, it's just it, it, not that he's doing anything horrible. Sometimes you need to change for the sake of change. And how many years has he been there? Is it close to 20? Oh, I, did you say close to 20? Over 20? It's at least 1985. Wow. I'm telling you, he came in when the NBA was at its depth. He came in a couple mm-hmm. years after they played the NBA clinching game, uh, Lakers over the Sixers mm-hmm. on tape delay. Yeah, okay, so it, I'm not saying that he didn't do a good job, but if he did mm-hmm. such a great job, why did the NBA kind of disappear for about 10 years from the average sports fan? Mm-hmm. So I, I would, I think it had more to do with the fact that the the attitudes of uh, Allen Iverson and the 10 year older or younger Kobe Bryant, which, to quite honestly, for most reasonable and intelligent people, couldn't stand because he was so arrogant. <laughs> so I, I think that uh, really, I think the arrogance of the younger players after Jordan really hurt the NBA. And Stern's, uh, the way Stern set the league up to be an individually marketed star league 
and then all of a, you know he thought everybody was going to be like Magic and and Larry and Michael were. They were either effervescent or so extremely hardworking and dedicated to basketball that they would be considered good guys. And all of a sudden, you have people like Allen Iverson as the face of your game, and people like me are like, "Oh, you're going to promote that guy as the face of your league? I'm done." If the guy can't even practice, if he doesn't pass, if he shoots 38 percent as the MVP of your league, I'm done with your league. So. Yeah, well, right or wrong, and there's been some bumps along the way, some successes, but 25 years, 20 whatever it is, long enough, to me, it's time for another face of the NBA, and I, for one, would be happy if Vinny Del Negro stepped into that position. Uh, I hate to tell you, Coach, but Roger <laughs> Goodell has named himself the next commissioner oh, of the NBA. He's going to be co-commissioner of both leagues, huh? Yeah, and Jonathan Vilma already has three technical fouls, so he's already <laughs> yeah. on the watch list. So he's very very nicely done. But, yeah. the, but the lesson to be learned, I started to say, Big Doug, is that um, in situations that can be a little bit uncomfortable, sense of humor goes a long way. And the fact that David Stern didn't try to fight it, but he kind of smiled. He's not a you know a jovial guy by nature, but he, he found the humor. He laughed a little bit. He played along with the crowd. That diffused some of the tension. I think there's a lesson that could be uh, learned from that particular response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach, I totally agree. And I just want to let you know that uh... – I can finally do the show from the comforts of Water Riders because the fellas here, the fine staff at the Montgomery Ward building, has broke me into my office. Beautiful. So, hey, thanks a lot, fellas. I appreciate it. I was doing the show. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Hey, so, did you tell them, tell them to listen to Two Guys at a Mic show? you got to promote us any chance we can. Make sure you listen to Two Guys at a Mic, guys. That's what I'm doing right now. Every day, 10 a.m. to 11. Thank you uh, very much. Yeah. Thank you very yeah, much. They, Finishing up well, on some I NBA got thoughts. Up uh, one finger, Coach. <laughs> the old salute, huh? Yep, yeah, uh, if, if we could count the one-fingered salute that we get in response to our promotions as a ratings hit, Big Dog, if we uh-huh. could count those as a positive ratings hit, we we might be cracking the top ten at this point. You'd be surprised. And, and speaking of the finger, that's what, <laughs> like as we as we end on the David Stern thing, that's why I brought it up. People need to chill out, okay? You know, I know it's kind of funny. You boo David Stern, and you know, I, even I laughed about it. Well, like ESPN would show shots of the crowd. And you'd have these gumbos in the crowd <laughs> grabbing their crotch, flipping the finger, and screaming, F you, Stern, and then they have to switch off real quick because it's a Disney. I mean, really, you want to make a joke out of it and boo David Stern when he comes up. Okay, it's kind of. But really, you go out in public grabbing your crotch, flipping the middle finger off, screaming, F you. To a five foot six dude that couldn't, that if he fell over and landed on you, wouldn't even hurt you. Okay? You know what? Like, there's, if there, I understand the venom in the world and have a little fun with it. He's the commissioner. He's got a great job. All of us would want the job. And it's not that hard. And he gets paid $30 million a year. He's the highest paid person in the NBA. And he has been for 20 years. It's freaking ridiculous. David Stern making more than Michael Jordan. Well, anyways. Uh, but, but still, the Venom people, what is, what's wrong with people, Coach, that they can go out in public and for three hours grab their crotch and flip a bird at a five foot eight Jewish dude? I mean, he's not going <laughs> to hurt anybody. Well, I will tell you, from the, the Yahoo factor, I mean, if you want to go to a place with the largest amount of Yahoos per capita, all you have to, and I would put NFL, NHL, not MLB, but the NBA and the NFL draft, the people, I don't know where they get them from. But the people that show up from their cities to sit in the stands at a particular draft, that's Yahoo personified, Big Doug. No, no, no. Coach, you're exactly right about NHL, NFL, 
and uh, the NBA. Yes. But you are completely wrong about the MLB. No, no, I took, I took MLB out of it. You per capita. Yeah. And the three people who show up for the MLB draft are freaking sick, okay? They're the biggest yahoos, the three individuals that show up. <laughs> You've actually per capita. Okay, I've never so. I, did they actually televise it with people in the stands? Oh, this year they oh this year MLB Network did. And yeah. I gotta tell you something. Greg Amzinger can talk about baseball non like I don't know if you know this coach. You put you leave me alone on a do a solo show and for fifty seven minutes I talk without a break about baseball. Okay. I just and I just talk. Okay. When I thought about could I do that for the MLB draft? I was like, I was just in shock. I don't know if it would actually be possible. To, it, it, where they were coming up with these facts and stuff, I just cracked up. It was good watching just to see the nails on the chalkboard of all these people that have way too much to say, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. what do you think of Jimmy Sprockets out of Wichita? And, oh, he's got a good fastball. I, know, I love it, Coach. I think you two, one time in your life, you got to watch five minutes of the MLB right. draft just to see the cover. I, I will check that. In lieu of that, though, I did enjoy it. I always enjoy the uh, veritable dulcet tones of a Jay Billis breaking down some of the top draft choices. You know, in my uh, many man crushes that I have in the world of sports, big dog, Jay Billis, right there at the top. He was on his game. And Jeff Van Gundy, the two of them outstanding together. Yeah, I, and I, I love the fact that Jeff Van Gundy admittedly plays the whiny guy that's never happy. You know what? If you're going to be that, might as well admit it, okay? Seriously, so I have no problem. He's always been whiny and a little complaining and irritable. Yeah, but he, br- but he brings up him. good points, and, he, and he's got a sense of humor also, which helps. I, I totally, yes, yes. And I, I'm, he admits that he's the whiny, never happy, complaining dude. And so I'm like, okay, that's him, and he admits it. So I, I'm with him on that. I, 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 I agree with you. Those guys are pretty good. I was going to ask you something. Jay Billis throws out this uh, disclaimer every single NBA draft. And I was just, if you saw the beginning, did he do it again this year? Where he says, folks, uh, I have a lot of players to talk about. A lot of them are similar in their basketball skills, and I might use a bunch of cliches as I talk about these guys. And he laughs, and he's this long and athletic sharpshooter, and he just names every single cliche. <laughs> Did he do it again this year? He does it every year. Coach. You know, I, I taped it fast-forwarded, okay. so he may have, but uh, probably fast-forwarded okay. right through it. And he's, it's pretty funny when he says that, because it's just like admittance, like, we have mm-hmm. three hours to fill people, so uh, yeah. bear with us. It's just it's, it's good It's good uh, television. Coach. Yeah, and Chris Berman, by the way, is very good television. Chris Berman could learn how to host a draft by who was the host yesterday for the NBA draft? It was uh, oh, it's uh, Reese Davis. Yes, He's phenomenal, isn't he, coach? Yeah, but but you know, Chris Berman. I, I want to listen to Mel Kiper. I want to listen to the other guys, the, the draft expert Berman. Just you know, he's seventy five percent of the conversation. Reese Davis hosting it, leading it, providing a little bit, but letting the commentary guys do their commentary. And uh, you know, Reese Davis, you're exactly right. He really he. he like, Berman tries to set people up, uh, but then he not only sets them up, yes. he asks a question, gives a colorful answer, yep. and answers a question, and then all of a sudden the guy has to speak, and the person's yep. like, you just said everything, Chris. Yep. A little bit like Chet Coppock used so, to be. Uh, so, but uh, Reese Davis yesterday, the best line of the freaking night, there's a red-headed Heat fan in the, in the yes. crowd yes. with a LeBron James jersey and no shirt on yep. anything. Yep, I caught that. <laughs> and, and blah, 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 the Heat are really taking a lot of that people here don't like them. And then they show one guy out there, and then yeah. he showed the red-headed Heat fan. And it goes back to Reese Davis, <laughs> and he says, 
a T-shirt under that thing would have been a good idea. Yep. And then he just moves right yeah. The beauty of it was, and, and none of the three commentators caught it either. I don't think. Maybe Bill, but the beauty of it was how understated it was. He just said it in passing, but I, I did catch that, and that, that was that. <laughs> you got to love the Heat jersey. And maybe worried about, does a guy have upside? Is he long and athletic? Is he explosive? And then we're laughing. Yep. The only thing we caught through the whole draft was him making fun of a dude in a, in a, in a tank top yep. in public. By the way, speaking of upside on the ESPN cameras, I'm watching a round three, I think it is, of the women's tennis tournament, Wimbledon. Uh, both, I don't know who's playing right now, but they both have strong upsides, Big Dumb. That's that's good. Yes. It? Very distracting, though. You're trying to get me excited about uh, Marcus Teague, and I'm watching the Wimbledon women's tennis tournament. But uh, Maria Sharapova advanced again. By the way, uh, speaking of the Wimbledon tournament, some are calling it one of the bigger upsets. In recent history, in a major, Rafael Nadal. I don't know if you saw this or not. Reactionary Sports Talk Radio knocked out in the second round by the 100th seed. Let's see if I got the kid's name. Lucas Rosal? Uh, Coach, I am shocked. And uh, and let's not forget what I said yesterday. Wasn't I said it's basically guaranteed that 1, 2, and 3 will be in the semifinals in yeah. Wimbledon? You spoke I, too honestly, soon. I, I'm, I'm totally shocked. And I wasn't saying that to just be cliche yesterday mm-hmm. i really meant it that I, those three are so dominant over everybody else yes i am completely shocked that there was an upset in the men's side completely shocked six seven six four six four two six six four so went down to the fifth set lucas Rassal, the 100th c what a throw for him the french open champion rafael nadel uh knocked off in round number two so we'll keep an eye on the wimbledon tennis tournament by the way before you Came on the phone line, big dog I mentioned, coming up on Sunday. Stage one, baby. The Tour de France is about to set off again. And we will, of course, give you stage-to-stage coverage. The Tour de France. And um, Ronnie Santo, if you could, tell us a little bit about Britain bicyclist, cycler Mark Cavendish. Uh, I a lot of time in San Francisco, uh, related to Victor Conte. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, anytime he has a real bad stage, coach expect a, a career best stage on the next stage after uh, that. So he can bounce back well. He drinks a lot of Jack Daniels, so he might have uh-huh. an elevated testosterone level. Uh oh, uh oh. Now he used to don't, be able don't to. Don't worry, he'll be this Tour de France champion for at least the next four or five years. Well, Caleb, I'm not, uh, talking, Caleb... I'm not talking about consecutively. I mean, after this one, in four or five years, he'll eventually take away. Wow! Wow! Shocking prediction from Ronnie Santo, our expert here in the. Tour de France. Caleb Evans, by the way, the defending champion. And um, uh, well, he we won't see. be the defending champion in about three years when they take it away from him, too. Ah. Okay. All right. Lance Armstrong not competing, by the way, but uh, we'll see. Obviously, you're bringing the whole performance-enhancing drugs, uh, steroids, et cetera, into the world of uh, the Tour de France, killing the enthusiasm and the joy that all our cyclist fans listening to the program might be enjoying. Yeah, every year, I, you know, it's stage to stage coverage, and, and now I'm not sure what to think anymore, Coach. I, I mean, like the purity of the sport. Yeah. You know, as you know, I, when I ride a bike now, you know, and if somebody passes me, I immediately yell, "You know, PDs!" I scream it whenever somebody passes me on the bike. Okay, you know what I mean. And this the old woman yesterday did not like it when I screamed that at her. Uh, oh, that's outstanding. Who was the dude who? Um... Weird-looking guy who won 
the tour de front was it his first name was like Fred or something strange guy. Uh, right I'll after, I'll think of the name, and right. that's why I brought up the, the Jack yeah. Daniels because when this guy was busted, yes. he's like I drank a lot of Jack the night before, and everybody knows Jack Daniels he looks, increases your testosterone. By the way, when I will think of his name, and I'm sure David could look it up for us. And if you please give us a multiple choice, I'll guarantee we get it. Oh yeah, I, just, I get it. He I, looked I, the looks wise like who's the guy in Andy Griffith that just passed away, George. What was the actor's name? But uh, he, he played Goober. The guy looked like Goober. Yeah. I want to say his name was Fred, but whoever. He was the ultimate uh, ridiculous winner who was obviously doing steroids. Yeah, and it was like, uh, and they and they even, like, uh, the, the people who caught him, they were like, he started doing it on this day, and it was like, it was, he was totally bummed. It was mm-hmm. just so, and he immediately, like, attacked Lance Armstrong, didn't he? Yep. Like, like right when they found out that, it was true, and he lied. He immediately was like, "Where's Armstrong going to?" Do? Oh, that's 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 funny. So it's like when your wife ca- catches you cheating, you can say, "My you my my best friend does it also. He cheats, so it's okay." <laughs> it's not the best way to get away from cheating, you know. Is the fact that you can yeah. point at finger somebody else. So. Ninety-five and a half doctors out of a hundred would not recommend that uh, particular route. No question about it. Dog and a coach spanning the world of. Uh, Sports here, a couple of more topics, and we'll finish up with some baseball folks. Again, our phone lines are open, 888-463-6748-888-463-6748. Dial it up, user-friendly sports talk radio. We'll get you right on. Uh, Euro Cup soccer, big dog, a little bit of an upset. Not a shocker, but uh, a bit of an upset. Italy knocks off Germany 2-1. 32 teams began on Sunday. The final two teams will be Italy. Taken on Spain, but uh, a pr- impressive performance by Team Italia yesterday. Yeah, and uh, what's the name of the forward with the two goals? Baltanelli. Baltanelli. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I had sat down at the 65-minute mark. So I saw the last 25 minutes of the game, and right they showed the guy, and I was jokingly like, how much do you guys think he spent on that haircut? Because that mohawk and whatever they did to his afro, mm-hmm. that had to cost him a couple hundred dollars. I mean, it was just too funky looking not to have cost a fortune. And then right after I said that, somebody, they all, everybody in the room started laughing. They are like, that's their superstar. He's got two goals. I'm sure he can afford it. I'm like, what? That dude has two goals? The guy that looks like a freaking alien? <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, I don't know goals, how you describe Basically got a shaved head... Mm-hmm. With a mini mohawk straight down the center, and the mini mohawk is braided and real tightly knit. Is that a decent yeah, description? Yeah, and it's, but it's and it's it doesn't look like it doesn't look like human beings' hair. No. It really doesn't, Coach. Yeah. It, it looks it looks like a giant lanyard. That's not a bad way to put it. Yeah. Okay. And and then how about his two goals that he scored yesterday? Whoa, that dude is a freak. He's like. He would be Chad Ochocinco if Chad Ochocinco decided to play soccer his whole entire life. Mm-hmm. So the guy's the biggest dude on the field. And, of course, he had to take his shirt off to show how jacked he was. And after they did that, he got the yellow card. And to be yeah. quite honest with you, considering he had no pecs, because he, he was that jacked and that ripped up with no chest muscles whatsoever, right, he should have right. got a red card. <laughs> if you're going to take off your shirt, at least have a uh, better uptoral you know, uh, Marshall Field, you can say, give the lady what she wants. That's not what she wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now, by the way, you know, obviously soccer, a big part of goal scoring is using the head. So if I were a coach, I'm, you know, I would be very careful on what kind of haircuts my players get. If you have an afro, big dog, I would think 
when push comes to header, you, you know, the, the uh, not did I say afro? Mohawk. If you have a mohawk, it could actually throw the shot off. It, it depends on what you do with it. Like, you know, if, uh, if you, it's just a soft afro, I don't think it'll do anything to it. If you get the, the real, real hard one, mm-hmm. that could throw a, a yeah. bad spin on the ball, mess up your trajectory. But if yeah. you get one of those soft ones, with a lot of grease in it, like the soft hair gel, yep. that'll change the rotation of the ball and makes it even funkier off the head. So you want it. You want the mohawk. I think I'd, I'd have my, all my players get like the, uh, the Afro box cut to increase the spacage upon which to head the ball. But that's just me. Oh. All right. Anyway, Italy taking on Spain on Sunday. So when we come back on Monday, we'll know the winner of the uh, Euro Cup championship. Very, very exciting. Also on the docket, Big Dog, I don't know if you've been watching or not, but swimming, gymnastics, track and field, Olympic qualifying. I've rarely watched in the past, but this year I've actually watched particularly the track and field, and it's very, very cool to see some of these people reach their dream of making the Olympics. The, uh, Olympics. the emotion is, is cool to watch. Yeah, and uh, talk about reactionary sports radio. Have you found out what the U.S. Uh, uh, Olympic team is going to do about the women's 100 meter and the and the tie for well, third flight? Yeah, I have found out. What I've found out and everybody else has found out is that they're still waiting. They're going to wait oh, for the I, 200. Okay. They're going to wait for the 200, which both young ladies are racing. And I think the final, they ran the quarters yesterday. So that'll be over this weekend. And then after that, they'll decide. Oh, so if one of them makes it and the other one doesn't, I, I, does the other one make the 100? I didn't say that. Okay. I think that might be a factor. I'm hoping it is, but at least... They want the girls to concentrate on the 200 right now because they're still competing, and then they're going to make the decision after. But it's Actually, getting a lot of that's, play. A, that's a real intelligent decision by the Olympic Committee because, quite honestly, if they're going to make them run again, I don't think it would be fair to have them like run the 100, and then all of a sudden somebody's like, oh, no, I'm out of the Olympics. I have to win this race, and all of a sudden – you might as well just have them run the 200 without any yep. preconceived notions of, the, of yep. what they have to do in the 100 meters since they've already mm-hmm. jacked the situation up in the first place. So maybe they have made the right decision by taking their time mm-hmm. on this one, Coach. tell you what, though, as much publicity as it's getting, if they do have a runoff, it'll probably get pretty good TV ratings. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the reason they're waiting and building it up. Now, so does NBC own the Olympic style, uh, too? I think so. Now, uh, just to let you know, I, I always rip ESPN for bastardizing sports by basically only promoing and featuring stuff that they hear on their television. So I'll let you know NBC Sports is almost as bad as ESPN. Just to let you know. So they, if, if that happens and you want to get coverage of those two girls and what they're going through, Coach, NBC Sports is all you like. Trust me, they will break down that both of those women's lives. You'll know everything about those two ladies. You won't even, stuff you don't even need to know about those ladies, you'll know. Mm-hmm. So. Wait, are you insulting them or complimenting them? I am, what, uh, those ladies? Or no, NBC the Sports? NBC Sports. I, I'm going to say this. NBC Sports is nowhere near as bad as ESPN. Ah, okay, yeah. But, see, but you know what, Coach? People have to do it. So I, I, I'm going to quit bashing anybody. Because you know what? It, we should do this more often. Hey, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Follow this year, man. I, I know I need to do that more often. I don't like to bastardize myself. I don't want to turn into the ESPN where... Oh, by the way, make sure to do this, and that's only because we're going to make money off of it somehow. You know, mm-hmm. Not that I have anything against making money. Don't get me wrong. There's got to be some fine line in sports where ESPN might be like, hey, you know what? Instead of doing this uh, another story on LeBron James, why don't we do it on 
the story of this great winger from Edmonton. Well, we don't cover hockey. Well, it shouldn't matter. This is a great story. Why don't we do this? No, no, let's just stick with the LeBron James story because uh, ABC and ESPN has basketball. So I'm, I'm afraid that's going to continue to happen. All right. uh, I've tried to get off of that high horse lately, so but I'm still on it. Okay. Well, I will say the uh, track and field coverage uh, with a well-preserved Tommy Hammonds, I always... Mm-hmm. Every time I see him, I feel like he actually passed away like seven years ago and someone's holding him up. But uh, he's doing a heck of a job, and the guys they have commentating with him, very, very good. couple of runners, let me throw some names out, Big Dog, that I think you are going to really enjoy in the Olympics. Galen Rupp, who won the 10,000 meter, won the 5,000 yesterday, beat Bernard Lagat. Galen Rupp, he is a white dude, funny-looking guy with big ears, but he can run like the wind, and uh, he is. And when he finishes, he's got that spirit, enthusiasm, charisma. Plays with the fans. Really like this guy. I think he's going to capture the imagination. And very, very talented. Uh, really, really talented. Uh, one of the best I've ever seen in distance running. And um, he oh, the- just broke Pre's record, yes. coach. I just spoke. If you, so that might not mean a lot to legitimately eighty-five percent of the people that I just said this. But 15% of the people that didn't know this already, their mouths just dropped. Steve Prefontaine's American record's been around. He died in 75, so what's the record been around since, like, 74 or 72? How how old is Prefontaine's? It, was, it, had, it Almost... had to have been one of the oldest uh, uh, country records in the world mm-hmm. in any sport, Coach. It's almost 40 years. That's amazing nowadays. The way that, you know, the way that sports has, transgressed over the last 40 years, no record should stand. No record should still be up over 40 years in terms of uh, Olympics and running and lifting and throwing. You know, it's, it, that's mind-boggling, Coach. Any record that's been around longer than NBA Commissioner David Stern needs to be broken. Yes. And yes. should be broken. But uh, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yep. that's, that'll tell you how great Steve Prefontaine was, Coach. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, died at way too early of an age. Let me throw another name out. He's from Algonquin, Illinois. He's a uh, fighting, no, not a fighting line, but he's from our fine state of Illinois. His name is Evan Jager, and he runs in a race. Whoever invented the steeplechase definitely had a sadistic side to their nature because that is one weird and cruel race. It's a distance run. But during the course of the track, you got to jump over these hurdles. Or fences, which is brutal. I mean, you know how hard distance running is. Every time you got to jump and then land, one of the announcers said it yesterday. It's like taking a body punch every time. And then and one time around, you got to jump on top of that, I don't even know how you describe it, wall, and then land in the water without tripping and keep on going. A couple of body punches there. It's an unbelievable event, the steeplechase. And I'm sure you've seen it. in wet shoes, Coach? Yep. That's not fun. Nope. And I don't, honestly, the steeplechase is underrated for how grueling and how yes. cool it is because, yeah, yeah you got to be, you got, yeah, a runner with a little craziness in order mm-hmm. to be one of those guys. Yeah. I'm thinking of uh, purchasing the home version of the steeplechase. I don't know if they have that at uh, your local toy store, but I thought, you know, put a few barriers around the house. And uh, when the weather cools up a little bit, I might do my own home steeplechase, big dog. You'd be surprised. They have them. If you go to Walmart, coach, there's, a, there's an aisle for them. They have all the accessories, everything you want to need, even the bleachers. So. <laughs> Let me throw a name out there to you, though. His name's Evan Jager. He won the steeplechase. Another guy that's got a little bit of fan charisma and uh, 
He's going to be fun to watch, too. He pulled away at the end and won that thing. Long, blonde hair and uh, plays up to the fans a little bit. So Evan Jager is a name. And in the women's 5,000 meter, if you can YouTube it, Big Dog, you have to do it. The finish of the 5,000 meters, the top three advance, okay, to the Olympics. First and second place were pretty clearly decided. The girl, and I forget her last name, that was leading for a good part of the last third of the race. She made her move too soon, though. And it was really cool to watch because you're a sports drama guy, and it unfolded right before your eye. You could see, and she looked beautiful. In the, in the third to last lap, she's leading by, you know, 10 yards. Second to last lap, and you, you think, oh, she's an automatic for the top three. Comes to the last lap, and you could see she's starting to lose it. Starting to lose it. And first and second place passed her up. But all you got to do is finish in the top three to reach your dream. Uh-huh. Okay? And all of a sudden, in the distance comes the four and five runners. And you're thinking, well, they're still too far behind. But this girl, laboring would be a kind word to put it. And as the lap continues, the final lap, she's laboring more and more. 5,000 meter run, 15 minutes of running, and it came down to the finish. The girl from behind caught her by like .03 seconds. I mean, barely. And the girl that was in the lead, she just she died out at the end, couldn't take that final stride, and got passed up right at the finish line for her dream to get the Olympics. It was unbelievable. Oh, that's, that's too bad for her, but great for somebody else. Oh, the, the look on the girl, because the girl who did take third, coming in, didn't think she had a, you know, a great chance, and certainly as the race unfolded, she was way behind, thinking, uh, you, know, you know, my dream. You know, and you got to remember, all these Olympics, swimming, gymnastics, the track and fielders, you know, we watch it and then turn it off, switch channels or something. How much effort and time and hard work they put in to, you know, to that small chance of realizing their dream. The look on the girl who finished in that, Kathy Mooney, I think was her name, worth mm-hmm. the price of admission alone. But just, just, it was shock, awe, and joy in that order. They, they spent 3.9 years practicing for this event, basically. Yes. Yep. Yep. Anyhow. Keep a couple of names to keep an eye on. Very much enjoying the track and field qualifying. All right, we can head over to baseball unless you have any other notes. Uh, Sands baseball. Big Dog, I want to finish out with a little white pill. Oh, let's get the little white pill, Coach. All right, let's talk the uh, Chicago White Sox. I know we're both uh, Cub fans, and again, baseball fans out there, you want to join us? 888 the All-Star game. Not that far away, by the way. I saw him interviewing Tony LaRusa. Uh, up on the screen right before our show. No, I couldn't hear what he was saying. But, you know, he had some drinking problems back in the day, Big Dog? Yes. Based on the way he looked in the ESPN studios, he will be coaching the All-Star game, by the way, because he was... Yeah, he's the manager. Yeah, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that uh, the problem continues. He looked like he had a hangover case number 45. Don't forget he also suffers from shingles. <laughs> Forgot about that. I'm not making that up. He really does. Yeah. So, and and I and I am not about to get bad karma and make fun. I, you know, I've made fun of Tony Larusa many, many times. I, I, it's hard for me to make fun of him now with the shingles because if you got stuff like that growing off of your face, and that's not a good look, Coach. Okay, so, okay. so maybe that's maybe that accounted for the look. So yeah, I will but, take... but I, I would like to have seen him, and whether because you're right, it could have. It, 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 I want to determine is it. Because of the fact that he drank two bottles of Hennessy last night, or is it because of the shingles while he's looking that way? Could be, yes. There's a big difference. The answer to that could be yes. Normally, when coaches 
you know, give it up for a year or two. You, then they come back on the screen. You see them, you know, they're fresh and effervescent. They're relaxed. They got a nice smile. Tony La Russa looked like he went 10 rounds with Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah, he, yeah he's, he is notorious in the city of Chicago. I, I, from what I understand, people, like, after the DUI, like, a lot of people that are sports, radio, and media were like, well, we all knew it was coming. And then they start telling these stories about La Russa and their ungodly. I'm like, how did he ever, he drove back to Woodridge every night when he was the manager of the Chicago White Sox? <laughs> Why does he didn't kill anybody? Seriously. So, yeah, it's, uh, you never know, Coach. All right. Let's talk our first place, Chicago White Sox. Big dog. They had a little uh, mini slump a couple of weeks ago, but they appear to be back on the track. One of the, uh, you know, surprise teams. I think we can call them that in baseball, leading the American League Central. Huge win yesterday. They knock off the Yankees first of a four-game series. Dramatic finish. I missed it. But uh, Dean Viciedo with a uh, three-run homer, and it came after an error that could have for the Yankees' end of the game. Yeah, uh, Diane Viciedo is this the most impressive thing about about uh, Diane Viciedo coach is this he sucked for the first month of this season. Yep. And you know a lot of times, like when Paul Canerco sucks for a month, Paul Canerco <laughs> knows he's going to get out of it. You know, uh, same with I guess with Alex Rios. Well, like, Diane Visaito has never proved he can hit Major League Baseball and to not lose confidence. Because let's face it, over we talked about how Alex Rios over the last 30 days is like a top-five player. Over mm-hmm. the last 60 days, Diane Visaito is also a top-five player in, in Major League Baseball. His last two months has been spectacular. And uh, wow, and another clutch big RBI by the Cuban. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clutch, uh, to put it mildly, three-run homer. Basically, the Yankees... Leading three to one coming into the uh, top of the ninth inning, David Robertson, their closer now, and uh, of course Mariano Rivera recovering from injury. He's out for the season, but they get a ground ball, I think, to the pitcher before Robertson. They had another pitcher in, and again, I didn't see it, but they go for a double play. Could have ended the game, and the throw to second base sails over the second baseman's head or the shortstop's head. Error. Instead of a double play, you got first and third. And, Big Dog, you've seen baseball often enough to know exactly what happens after you let the uh, cat out of the bag a little bit. You give a team a second chance more often than not. They capitalize. Next batter, Viciedo off Robertson, three-run homer. What a big win for the White Sox. I don't know what it is, Coach. And, you know, you would think it would just be regular percentages. Oh, uh, it's first. I don't know what it is when you're supposed to have won. Yep. And you don't. As your percentages go the absolute opposite direction than what they're supposed to be. You're going to end up losing the game. I have no idea why it happens that way, but you're exactly right. It's when you let a team off the hook. It seems like the percentage of them, like if it was first and third after two singles, mm-hmm. it's not as bad as first and third after an error that should have yep. ended the game. Yep. Yep. Big win for the uh, White Sox, and we should mention now their pitching staff banged up a little bit, but. Uh, the young kids continue to contribute. Dylan Axelrod gets the start uh, at Yankee Stadium against the Yankees. Not an easy task for a rookie pitcher. He goes six innings, gives up a couple of runs. Uh, the young pitchers continue to come through for the beloved Sox, Big Dog. It's really been amazing. Now, how about you talking about Addison Reed in the ninth inning, Coach? Yep. Did you see him painting the corners on the Yankee hitters? Unbelievable. I, mean, I, was... I did not. Okay, it really was. He was going like legitimately. 
from one side of the plate to the other, and all he was giving was like just hitting like a little tiny bit of the baseball in the strike zone, mm -hmm. which is a strike, people. You get a little bit of the strike zone, it's a strike. You don't have to get all of it. And that was that, that was excellent pitching and defense, by the way, mm -hmm. in the ninth inning. That's going to be interesting to watch tonight. Game two, four-game series at Yankee Stadium. Very exciting for the White Sox fans here. Boy, you get three out of four at Yankee Stadium. Suddenly you're going to get some White Sox fans, City of Chicago, excited. But uh, Jose Quintana pitching against the Yankees today. Big dog. couple of stories here. One, he's a rookie. Coming out of nowhere, pitching very well. Two, he was in the Yankee organization. They're the team that gave up with him, and the White Sox scouts said, let's give this guy a shot. So a big pitching performance tonight for young Jose Quintana. Uh, you know, if the Yankees could have kept on to some of this young talent, oh, my goodness, they could be one of All they're missing right now are our young arms, and too bad for them. Ian Kennedy and Quintana and all these other guys are <laughs> pitching for other teams around Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. All right, Houston uh, at the Cubs. Houston at Wrigley Field today. I would, to put it mildly, to put it gently, it's not what you would call a critical series in the world <laughs> in the world of baseball. But uh, go Cub. Uh, I got to tell you something. Uh, you go out to Astros. The Astros are worth going out to see just for Jose Altuve, coach. Jose who? Jose Altuve. Help me out. He's their second baseman. Okay. He is a. He starts for them. And uh, he is five foot three. Wow! And you got to see this kid play; he's phenomenal. He's one of the most fun guys to watch. So Tony Campana could actually post this guy up. Yes, he could. Wow. He definitely could. But Jose Altuve's got a much better pace. <laughs> I will make sure to tune in to watch Anthony Rizzo for the Cubs and the base of Houston second baseman uh, Jose Altuve. I'll check that out. Bud Norris starting for the Astros today against Paul Mahalam. There's a Sexy pitching matchup for you. Ronnie Santo, if you could, tell us a little bit about Houston pitcher Mr. Bud MacArthur Norris. A uh, former Cardinal, so we hate him. Uh, he likes to work quickly. <laughs> likes, to, likes to work ahead in the count really? and loves to, loves to pitch with a lead. Wow. Does he like to keep the ball down in the strike zone? Yeah, he loves to. He doesn't. Really? It doesn't do any of the things I just told you he likes to do. <laughs> but he has pitched to no hitter. Okay. He likes to do them. He has trouble doing them, but that's what he'd like to do. Absolutely, Coach. Yeah, thus the 5.65 ERA. All right, thank you. Thank you very much, Waldo. What about Anthony Rizzo, big dog? Of every Everyone in Chicago talking about him. I know you want to temper people a little bit, but anything you've seen thus far, two games? I think he's the greatest player in the history of baseball. <laughs> if you give him uh, an extension that makes Alfonso Soriano get jealous. Okay? <laughs> they should bat him third, okay. fourth, and fifth. Yeah, oh, yeah that, with, I, I just saw him the other day. I was... Uh, I was out on Lake Michigan. He was walking on water next to me. Okay, what's up, Anthony? How All you right, doing, buddy? Take it easy. Take yeah. it easy. Let me talk about a couple other two. We haven't done a bit. I hold David Olson, our producer, completely responsible for this because we have not done. You know, we promised the folks a baseball round him up, wrap him up on a regular basis, and we we haven't done it. Very poor planning. And uh, big dog, when you and me fail, you know that you learn quickly in sports talk radio. When in doubt, you blame the producer. Yes, you do. Absolutely. But uh, a couple of teams, a couple of players. <laughs> David's got the hands up. Um, hey, we're paying you big bucks for this, David. A couple of players, a couple of teams that we have not mentioned. The first ones i got to start off with are Anaheim Angels. My guy, Mike Sosha, who I still feel is the best all-around manager in all of baseball. Red Hot, they've won 14 out of 18. But the guy I want to talk to you about, I don't know anything about Mike Trout, who was on a tear is he related to any of the famous Trouts? Who the hell is this guy, and how about the Angels? 
Hold on. You honestly haven't heard of Mike Trout? Well, for the most part, no. Okay. Well, in California, imagine imagine being in Los Angeles and imagine uh, the Anthony Rizzo stuff going on in Los Angeles. That's exactly what's going on with Mike Trout. He's been the number one player in the minor leagues of baseball since opening day of last season. And all last year, everybody's like, when are the Angels going to bring up Trout? When are they going to bring up Trout? And all everybody kept saying was, well, they're paying four outfielders right now more than $10 million a year, so how can they bring up an outfielder and not play mm-hmm. the guy? Well, luckily for them, the same thing was happening this year, and they couldn't get rid of Vernon Wells. They couldn't get rid of Torrey Hunter. They couldn't get rid of Bobby Abreu. Well, Bobby Abreu got hurt. They brought up Mike Trout, and all of a sudden they were like, hey, uh, we're releasing Bobby Abreu because the kid is freaking unbelievable. And, yes, Coach, he is the fastest player in the game of baseball. Wow. The best way I can tell you is uh, the fastest right-handed batter ever is Bo Jackson and Mickey Mantle. The fastest left-handed batter in the history of baseball is Deion Sanders and Mickey Mantle. Okay? Mike Trout tied Bo Jackson and Mickey Mantle's feet from first uh, wow. from right the right field box from, from the right-handed box to first base. That's, so you're talking about he's the fastest player in the history of the game. You know what I mean? And then he can hit and he can field. He can throw. He's every single thing a prospect should be. And he's actually a more hyped prospect than Bryce Harper, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Did he come uh, out of high school or did he go to college? Oh, he came out of high school okay. and he's like 21 or 22 years old. And he would have been playing two years ago, but the Angels, like I said, have been paying mm-hmm. three different guys $10 million a year. So they didn't want to have the two, like Mike Trout, have a handle on the pressure of. Mm-hmm placing a multi-millionaire and being 19 or 20. Well, yeah, he's like 21. At 22, it's the most now, Coach. And however the Angels handled him was the right way because he looks awfully great right now. Two games ago, he goes four for four. Yesterday, a two-run blast, part of a 9-2 to two route of the Toronto Blue Jays. Anaheim uh, started off slow a little bit. Um, you remember Albert Pujols, of course, got off to a slow start. He's starting to, they're not depending on him, but he's starting to hit some home runs. I think he's got 12 or 13. But you look at the standings now, Big Dog, all of a sudden Anaheim chasing Texas, and they have the third best overall record in the entire American League, including the dreaded Eastern Division. Uh, I am not shocked at all about that if you were asking me on April 1st, because I would have told you that. If you'd asked me on May 1st, I'd have been like, the Angels better get their head out of their butt if they're even going to finish 500. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it is a little shocking, Coach, how incredible they've played over the last three All right. weeks. All right. i got to spend some of my weekend time watching, uh, checking out a Michael Trout. I'm not sure I would recognize him if you walked right by me right now, but he is the uh, he and Bryce Harper, the new superstars in Major League Baseball, so we'll keep an uh-huh. eye on them. No, they, they absolutely are, Coach. There's a... There's some bright young stars in, yep. in MLB, and hopefully Anthony Rizzo yes. the Cubs is going to be one of those kids, too. Yep. Walk on water. That's our motto, Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> Colorado knocked off Washington yesterday. i got to mention that game because uh, I still think he should be in the rebuilt new Chicago Cub lineup. Uh, my guy, Tyler Colvin, who I said the Cubs are going to regret trading. I like this player a lot. He's batting 308 in the year. Uh, Colorado knocked off Washington yesterday at a wild game, 11-10. to Bryce Harper hit a home run in the ninth inning to tie it up, but Colorado comes back to win it. Colvin went four for five, five RBIs. The Rockies having a rough go, but my guy Tyler Colvin, big dog, we haven't talked about him all year. 
hitting 308. He should be part of the Cub Rebuilding Project. Yeah, yeah, we did talk about him, and I said to you, don't worry. He'll be a decent player, but nothing where you'll look back and be like, we really regret losing him. I was wrong, okay? Because quite simply, maybe he doesn't turn out to be as good a player as you're going to think he is, Coach, but I do know this. He's a major league player, and I don't know if Ian Stewart is. And that's who they traded him for. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like, if you lose, if you lose, uh, like right now, if Andrew Kashner ends up being a dominant number one starter in Major League Baseball, and people are like, how could the Cubs get rid of him? Well, we got Anthony Rizzo. Okay, that's why we got rid of him. Well, if Tyler Coleman ends up being a career 285 hitter with 20 home runs a season and plays good, good, good outfield and is a good base runner, it's going to really suck because the Cubs basically yep. got nothing for him. Yep. And he's a quality guy and a winner. I liked his person. I like what he brought to the team. I just felt uh, on a winning team, he would have been a real boost to the program. I think that can we mark that down as mistake number one? And they're all going to make them. But uh, Theo and Jed and company—that's their their first big mistake. Well, I guess if we mark it down right now as mistake number one, okay, then maybe hopefully we could be uh, surprised if Ian Stewart at least becomes next year. Uh, a guy that can at least hit right-handed pitching for the Cubs and, and plays great defensive third base. But, Coach, I don't care how great your, your third baseman plays defensively. Ask Brett Morrell of the White Sox and Orlando Hudson. If you, if you play third base in the Major League, you can't hit a buck 80 with two yep. home runs by yep. June 1st. That's true. Absolutely true. you got to get some power distribution out of that third base position. Mm-hmm. No question about it. Dog and the coach winding up another week of uh, soon-to-be award-winning programming. Big Dog, outstanding job all week. I know we were separated for a couple of the days, but good to be back with you. Of course, Monday we'll uh, do it all over again. We'll be able to recap the always exciting stage one of the Tour de France. Who knows if David Olson will be with us or not. Could be Randy Myers in the seat, so we got to wish David uh, good luck if the little one, not sure what they're going to name it yet, but uh, the little baby is born this weekend. We wish our producer David Olson the best. Big dog for all the female fans out there who like to um, – Try to rub elbows, shoulders, and other body parts with you. Maybe stalk you over the weekend. What do you got planned this weekend that they might be able to catch a glimpse of you? Uh, Lily the Lilac's mom put a bunch of ginger root on the breakfast table this morning. <laughs> so I think that was a hint. I'm going to be busy with Lily the rest of the night. So she wants grandchildren, Coach. <laughs> it's freaking ginger uh, root. I mean, there's, there's no mistake in what it means, okay? Uh, no no speak English, but... Uh... It, the food is serving as the universal language, huh? Yeah, there, there's no doubt. Okay, especially when there's body oils and body rubs. I know what that means. I'm in for a long night, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> very exciting for you. Very disappointing, unfortunately, for many of our uh, female fans out there. And, of course, back here, Bob and Earl from Bowling, or Bobby from Bolingbrook will both be disappointed as well. Have but, you ever uh, seen me? Think about how disappointed it is for Lily the Lilac. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Well. You know, you got to take what you can get. All right, dog, behave yourself. Any other uh, final thoughts? I got a bit about a hello, a bit about 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 a hey, but a little super killer. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? This uh, remember this three game series against the Astros goes a long way for the number sixty three, and that's how many wins I hope the Cubs have this season, Coach. Repeat after me: Annie Kuchikama to Samaritosa Nova Samakona Wiki Brown. Okay, repeat you know, after me. You know what that means? I uh, No, I have no idea. I believe that is uh, Linguini for Cubs will win the pennant in 2014. 
I'll take it. Javier Baez, our fourth hitter, a third baseman in two years. I appreciate it, Coach. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, dog, behave yourself out there. I'm glad you're not locked out anymore. And uh, uh, go catch some waves. Hopefully you make some money today. And tip, if you're uh, out there, you're going to be riding on water riders and getting yes. a tour. Tip, right? Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Tip the big dog because yeah. I split it with all the other college kids. Okay? Yeah. I mean, so if a guy really if a guy is incompetent or a guy is obnoxious, you don't have to tip. But I'm assuming you're doing your job well. I know you're a jovial personality. You joke around with everybody. If you have a good tour director, tour guide, and something like that, you got to tip them and tip them handsomely. Uh, trust me, there's not too many tour guides that tell jokes on their tours and make everybody laugh. And, by the way, that same person pulls you out of the river when you're drowning. <laughs> All right, yeah, dog. If I pull you out of the river and you don't tip me, it's basically I'm going to throw you back in the river. Just that's from now on. That's, that's all right, what better way to end the show? Have a good weekend, dog. Thanks, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll do it again on Monday. Have an outstanding weekend. David Olson, our producer, great job, as always. Two guys in a mic back on Monday, 10 o'clock. Don't be late.